Good morning, everybody. Again, good morning again. It's a lot more stuff up here when you got two people. This is great. Well, hey, again, welcome to Eagle. Um, so glad that you are with us. If you're online this morning, we'll say welcome to you guys as well. Glad you could join us that way. My name is Justin, and this is my wife, Jana. Let's give Jana a hand. Don't do that. <laughs> it's so embarrassing. She's by far the cooler of the two of us, so. Anyways, we're really excited to be able to jump into part three of our four-week marriage series that we've been in, and uh, yeah, for some reason, Eric asked us to do it, so we're going to do it, so. (laughs) Yeah. So I just want to say doing this with him has kind of been a hoot, because I think we thought it would be easy because we lived together, and we could just kind of like talk through the service as we go through our daily life. We fought a lot when we prepared this sermon, and then when we would fight, he would try to pastor on me. He'd be like... Hey, we're fighting. You think it's spirit? Let's pray. And I was like, No, you pray to yourself. Let me know when you're done. I'm done praying about it. Like every five minutes, we're praying. It was so annoying. But it's our life. um, So I'm just going to do like a quick introductory kind of like of Justin and I. We met here in 2006 here at Eagle, married in 2007. Um, We both were full-time students and working full-time. I found out I was pregnant early in 2008 with a surprise baby. Surprise. Um, He was a real big surprise. Um, We just, we financially, emotionally, and even within our marriage, because it was so new, we just did not feel equipped to parent a child. Um, Our schedule looked something like this. Justin would have to be at Starbucks at 3.45 in the morning. His shift would get over around 2, then he'd go straight to IUPUI for his classes and come back home in the evening. I was working part-time as well with Bram um, because we had supportive friends and family that like helped care for him in those times. Um, we were able just to kind of make ends meet with that. And in between all that, we had two more children, Lucy and Liza, and we did make it through the long road of school with Dr. Justin, but he's not a doctor, but it took the same amount of time to finish. Got that general studies degree, baby. Generally. So we did weather just some mighty storms due to um, young children and trying to navigate our marriage and just financially constantly struggling. Um, But the Lord did keep us afloat. And something, there's a line that's been going through my head for the past several years that he is faithful even when I am unfaithful. Um, And let me just say real quickly that the blessings of the Lord look differently for each person. So for us in that season, the blessing looked like, you know, the car, we had to roll down the window to open the door from the outside. Um, Funny thing about that real quick, I just remembered, I tried to fix it and actually broke it. No, you did break it. Yeah, I like pulled the door apart and ended up breaking it. So then we had to use like a credit card to lift it up and then get in to... And just kind of like making ends meet, worrying about rent, um, just watching kind of your friends be in that stage of life where they're able to buy homes and go on vacation and just kind of wishing I was in that stage. Um, But all the while, the Lord was pouring the blessing that was intended for us for sustainability and for growth and for protection. So even when I questioned our blessings, he was faithful. Even when I was greedy with our blessings, he was faithful. So our current reality is we will have been married 13 years this June, and we have an 11-year-old, an 8-year-old, and on Tuesday, we will have a 7-year-old, and they're they're really annoying. I'm not going to lie. Like, we're just in this (laughs) stage of life where (sighs) the one I really liked for a really long time now is really annoying. I don't know. They're just annoying. Yeah. 
So Can we get I, a babysitter? Anybody? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I've been at Eagle since working at Eagle since 2012, and Justin has been here since 2014. Our personalities are just really different. I'm kind of introverted. People don't typically refuel me, whereas he is extroverted. He likes being around groups of people. He's kind of like our puppy dog. That's what we call him because he's always excited. He wants to do the next thing, and I just want to sit on the couch. So. <laughs> So like Justin said, we are up here just because Eric asked us to. Um, <laughs> and what's funny is he does this thing where he's like, I want to ask you guys about this, but I want you to pray about it. And I'm like, okay. And then I look at his calendar and I'm like, but we're like it's penciled in. I'm like, he has this. <laughs> so, yeah. but that is why we're up here. So we did, just together we decided our goal was simply to um, encourage conversation among spouses um, or even if people just leave thinking that maybe they're not alone. Yep, yep. And we don't know what we're doing, so it's okay if you don't either. And that's kind of the, how we wanted to start the whole thing. And so kind of in that vein, I'm going to pray, and then we're going to jump into the juicy stuff. So, Lord, thanks for this morning. Thank you for uh, your church, for your people. And uh, thank you for the example that you set of um, laying down your life for those that you love. And uh, it's that model, Lord, that we want to embody um, as individuals, as people, as followers of you, but specifically this morning as we're talking about marriage, Lord, we want to embody uh, your sacrificial love. And so would you just uh, be in this uh, conversation this morning? And uh, if there's anything worth taking out of it, Lord, would you uh, prompt that and uh, use it in people's lives this morning? We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. So for Justin and I, marriage has kind of been learned as you go, as it probably is with most people. Um, life did not slow down when we stepped into the waters of marriage. Um, people change as they grow and mature, and some of you, I'm sure, have experienced with a spouse them maturing a little backwards. But the commitment to us and for us when the vows were spoken, um, that we would hold tight through the good, the bad, and the ugly. So today we just wanted to invite you on that journey with us, even though our marriage is obviously far from perfect. Um, we have had times of just being really hateful, prideful, selfish, and the opposite of what we vowed on that beautiful day in June. But the vow to remain committed to each other has been our top priority. And for us, the best news is we weren't meant to do this alone. The, the Lord truly desires to be a part of the beauty and the mess of our marriage. There's a passage in Joshua 1.5 where the Lord is speaking and he says, as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you. The enemy would love nothing more for your marriage to be an epic failure. He wants to keep us silent about our sin patterns and shame and guilt that we are holding on to, either due to fear of what our spouse might think or just plain embarrassment. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and like Janice said, one of the ways that Satan uh, keeps us bound up is by convincing us that we're the only ones uh, that are going through some struggle or keeps us in isolation and hiding in our brokenness. And Satan is real, and he's seeking to destroy lives. And a very real example that, of that in the early years of our marriage was my own personal fight with pornography. And, uh, oh, we just went there. It's getting real. Satan is real. And uh, that, that, that fight started for me as a sixth grader. And I read something this week that the average person is exposed to it for the first time in fourth grade, so about 10 years old. And so it started there, and for 12 or 13 years, I was battling that into like the first four to five years of our marriage. 
And this was sin that brought serious bondage in my life. Um, and in the early years of our marriage, though, you probably would have looked at us and said we look like anybody else. Looked like I looked like anybody else. I was serving in church. Um, I was working. Marriage appeared to be in good shape from the outside. Um, we had kids. I seemed like an engaged father. I had a beautiful wife. I still do. Um, and I hid. I hid as best as I could. But Satan was effectively like stealing my joy and killing my soul and destroying my marriage. And I thought I could keep hiding and running, but Jana, uh, she could just tell that something was off. Yeah. So I'm not someone who will sit on an instinct for very long. Um, I just, I kind of will typically say what I think, especially with the people that I love the most and I know will love me unconditionally back. Um, and I did know something was off, and I felt like the Lord was prompting me to ask him questions. I just, I didn't know what questions to ask at that point. But I would just say, is something off? Is anything wrong? And I just felt the Lord just kept, you just need to keep asking him. And even though at the beginning stages he would lie, um, the Lord did start, start to soften his heart as well. And he did start becoming honest with me. Yeah, and although we had started making some progress and bringing things out into the open, that the wounds that have been inflicted, especially on Jana, uh, they were really deep. And I don't think I could have ever known the impact that uh, my patterns of sin, like lust and dishonesty, that really, like students, I want you to hear this, that started in middle school, um, that they would impact my marriage and beyond. Yeah, so, and for me, I just want you guys to know, it wasn't a one-time question and a one-time thing. It was definitely persistence. Um, I just didn't want to be in a marriage where it was full of secrets, and then I didn't want to be a wife that turned into the victim or the pushover. Um, emotionally, I was really hurt and angry, but it was also mixed with a feeling like maybe there's something wrong with me. And I believe Justin was being a complete moron in this time frame, but I could see the enemy just trying to weave in like deceit and lies and just kind of pure damage to our relationship. Yeah. I know marriage is more than a feeling. Um, it's the decision to be by someone's side, even when you want to clock them. It would have been really, really easy for me to tell Justin that this was his issue and he needed to figure it out, which I think I did tell him that a few times. But I do believe the Lord started to soften my heart towards him. And I remember him asking him if he forgave himself. And not that he needed permission from me to forgive himself, um, but I gave it to him anyways. And I also refuse to live in a relationship with the Lord that's built out of fear and guilt as well. Um, the Lord didn't ask Justin to live with this and carry it for the rest of his life, and I didn't want him to either. And aside from him, there was a healing process for myself as well. Um, I do think our ability to constantly communicate and our openness was very helpful, and the Lord did carry us through. There wasn't a quote or a book I read that helped me out with being hurt early on in a marriage, but um, I just think it was the Lord. That's the only answer I have for it. Um, there's a verse in Matthew, it's chapter 26, and it says, Put your sword back in its place, for all who draw the sword will die by the sword. Do you think I cannot call on my Father, and he will at once put at my disposal more than 12 legions of angels? And I like this verse for different reasons. For the first reason, I feel like there are many times early on in our marriage that I've wanted to bring this up to throw in his face during an argument, because it would have been easy for me. It's an easy blow to his ego, and it makes me feel like I'm in control. But I feel like here Jesus is asking me to put my sword back, put your sword, the hateful words, um, or the feeling like I was superior because obviously his sin was so outrageously wicked and 
I just look like I was the perfect one on the other side. And I feel like the last part, the Lord gives us permission to call and to activate the angels. And we still do this with our kids um, before they go to school. And it's more so a sense of just a realization that I know and we know that we are weak in our own power. I know I'm selfish and insecure and I really, I just would like to get my way. Um, but with the guidance and steadiness of the Holy Spirit, it can, it's not a lonely journey. Yeah. And I want to make one thing clear that porn isn't the issue. This is how it manifested in my life. Porn isn't the issue. Sin is the issue. And this may not be the sin that's controlling your life today, though statistically two-thirds of Christians are actively looking at porn. But that's not the issue. The issue is sin. And whatever the sin is, it needs to be dealt with. Because if it's not, sin will decay your soul. And it never only affects you. And especially in the context of marriage. Psalm 32 verses 3 through 7 say this. When I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy on me, and my strength was sapped as in the heat of summer. Then I acknowledged my sin to you and did not cover up my iniquity. And I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you forgave the guilt of my sin. Therefore, let all the faithful pray to you while you may be found. Surely the rising of mighty waters will not reach them. You are my hiding place. You will protect me from trouble and surround me with songs of deliverance. And that passage is kind of the best description that I've been able to find of what, it, of what my soul looked like in that season. Bones wasting away. Strength being sapped like in the heat of summer. Groaning for joy, for freedom. And I believe this passage also holds the first step to freedom. And it's to acknowledge and confess our sin to the Lord. But I strongly believe that, that freedom and transformation most fully experienced, I think it comes in the context of community as well. And so for me, I only really began to experience freedom when it came into light with Jana. And then I also had some really close guys in my life that I just felt like I could be open and, and fully honest with. And I love the progression in that passage, right, from life-sapping sin at the beginning to songs of deliverance at the end. In sin, it destroys our life, but confession, it leads to songs of deliverance and freedom. And kind of like we were singing this morning, I, I thought of it during the, the Waymaker, Miracle Worker. That's who God is. That's what he does. And, and I'm just here to tell you that he's done it for me. And it's something that he can do for you. So the reason we're talking, we're bringing this up is simply to remind you that the Lord wants to be a part of the beauty and the mess of not only our marriage, but of your marriage as well. And just to hold on to the promise that he is with us and he is for us. So I'm going to change a little bit and just talk about expectations within our marriage and unmet expectations within our marriage. So I didn't realize Justin hid a lot of his annoying things while we were dating. So they all came out. I mean, I felt like that was, I felt like they were all there. One thing is he would prefer to cuddle every night, like before bed, which doesn't, this doesn't sound like a big deal. I understand. But I need my space. Like for, sleeping is for sleep. I need to rest my body. And I don't, and here, can I just tell you my issue? And if you get it, you get it. I don't appreciate a sleeping face on an adult. I feel like it looks vulnerable. <laughs> I, it lacks confidence when the mouth is open, I feel like, and there's air. I don't like it. 
It's not attractive at all. Yeah. Lots, lots of H's. Yeah, I don't, I don't want that in my space. Like, I sometimes yeah. will come into bed while if he's asleep, but he, if he can hear me getting into bed, he will reach over to try to, like, cuddle. So there have been times I, like, will get into bed, and if I see him trying to wake up, I just do the... So he thinks I'm yeah. sleeping, like sort of sitting up. So now I like poker a few times. <laughs> no, to you see. don't do yeah. that. No, I don't. So we're going to talk about how unmet expectation can lead into unintentional hurts. Yep. So last week, Jan and I, we got to Florida for a few days. It was amazing. And uh, we were going to check one bag. And uh, we thought we could fit everything in there. So I let her pack her stuff first. And she's like, hey, you can pack now. And I walk in the suitcase. I'm not joking. There was this much space for me to pack like four days worth of stuff, but it all works. But you can think of unspoken expectations like baggage, right? Lots of times we think of baggage in fun ways like vacation, but when it comes to emotional and relational baggage, it's oftentimes a little messy and it looks like when you open that overstuffed suitcase and everything falls out, right? It's your preferences, your personality, your sin, the model of marriage and parenting you've learned, uh, the ways that you were taught to relate to people in society, Whatever else makes up the imperfect self that you bring into a relationship with somebody else that's got a whole bunch of baggage themselves. So we just think that baggage left unpacked can lead to unmet expectation and then unintentional hurts. And a couple of ways we have tried to navigate this have just been through high communication and what we call fighting fair. I feel like I do a really good job of articulating how I feel in every moment, every season, Every minute, every hour of every day, day after day, <laughs> after day, after day. Yeah, and on the other hand, I don't usually have a ton of words to say. Um, at any given point, there isn't really a whole lot going on up there most of the time. But I especially struggle, I especially struggle to admit that I'm hurt. It makes me feel just kind of weak and vulnerable, and so I tend to avoid it. But Jana, she makes her expectations and feelings pretty clear day after day after day after day. <laughs> But I tend to leave mine just unspoken because uh, I don't feel the need to, I guess. But after a while, for me, of un, un expectations not being met that I never actually said, uh, hurt comes into play, and eventually I kind of uh, blow up in some random disconnected, you know, emotional event that just leads to more hurt. And so Jan has actually helped me or maybe forced me to grow in this area a lot over the years. But. I have. <laughs> Sometimes we think communication requires a little bit of argument. And Jess and I just want to make clear that emotional, verbal, and physical abuse, this is not something we are talking about, that we know it is not okay, and that it does happen within our church community. So when we're talking about fighting and arguing, it's never in an abusive manner. Yeah. So one of the, this is one of my favorite fights in our marriage. Um, in our first year of being married, we lived in Kokomo for some reason, and um, we were on the way home from church, and we got into a fight that at the time just seemed catastrophic. And uh, we had to stop on the way home from church to put gas in the car, which isn't that the worst if you're in the fight and you have to stop somewhere and just, like, be there together for longer. But So we stopped, get gas, which at that time it felt like emptying our bank account. But we pull up to the gas pump, and Jana jumps out of the car to start pumping the gas, which for me, I know that... I know that there are traditional men and women roles that are changing. We'll talk about that later. But for me, I like to take pride in doing the little things, like getting Jana coffee in the morning or opening the door or obviously pumping the gas, right? So it turned into this little scuffle about something else. We started arguing about who's going to fight or who's going to pump the gas. It was really ridiculous. 
But anyways, Jana wins, obviously. And so she's out there pumping the gas, and I'm in the car, like, you know, white knuckling the steering wheel. And some rando guy walks by, looks at me through the windshield, and he says, nice, man. Make your girl pump the gas real nice. This guy, like, yells at me through the window. I was like, you've got to be kidding me. And we don't even have any idea what we were fighting about that day, but maybe there's a takeaway in that. I don't know. But Jana's a really good fighter, though. She's quick-witted. She, I wish she'd be a lawyer and make us some money, but if you were a fly on the wall in our marriage, you would, you would see that she um, is able, she has this uncanny ability to pull like the most vivid and obscure detail from some life event that I don't remember several years ago and build this case that's unbreakable. And uh, I can't remember what I did 10 minutes ago to save my life, but yeah, it's all really dysfunctional, right? Your marriage looks similar But one thing that we're actively committed to is trying to fight fair. Yeah, I'm not good at fighting fair. I'm not going to lie. I like to say things that are hurtful just to get my point across. Um, I am working on it. But Justin can be so passive. I will get so heated easily and be in the moment of an argument. And there was one time that for me it was a big deal, whatever the argument was, and I'm yep, doing my thing, and I look over, and he's soundly sleeping like a baby. And I'm so mad. So I went over, and I whispered in his ear while he was sleeping. I said, you have a heart of stone. Yeah. <laughs> so obviously I don't remember that. <laughs> I was sleeping well. Yeah, but I wish that by ignoring things, they'd go away, right? But it doesn't. And I grew up in a family with a bunch of boys, and for us, there wasn't a whole lot of verbal conflict. We'd throw a couple punches and move on. But... So I never felt like I really learned how to sort through interpersonal conflict very well. And so it's been a big growth area for me. And one way that I'm trying to grow at this is by intentionally like taking the initiative to circle back and and be the one that that prompts follow-up and and resolving things. But I'm still still not great at it. Yeah. (laughs) We do also, for us and our family, we think it's important for our children to see us in an argument. We don't wait three hours until it's time for them to go to bed and then have the argument behind a closed door. Um, And the thing is, if one of us, if we're not fighting fair and it's an unhealthy conflict, the kids usually get to see resolution of some form. They get to see a parent come back and apologize. And for us, we, we want them to learn how to argue with other people, um, stand up for what they think is right, and then also realize when they're wrong and be able to go and apologize as well. I think it's really helpful to have like simple scripture stored up in your heart and to pray in these spaces uh, to kind of filter what's going on internally. Um, Maybe not usually during the fight. I'm probably not that aware, but after the fight, it's helpful. (laughs) But Psalm 5110 is one of those prayers that both of us have tried to internalize. It's uh, create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit in me. So it's a great filter to just ask the Lord, like, what's what are the motives of my heart in this? And so moving on, I believe that submission to Christ then, uh, to Christ and one another is essential to a vibrant marriage. Submission to Christ and one another is essential to a vibrant marriage. Ephesians 5 says this, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. I'm going to skip some verses. It says, for this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife and the two will become one flesh. This is a profound mystery, but I'm talking about Christ and the church. However, each one of you also must love his wife as he loves himself, and each wife 
must respect her husband. Now, these days, um, this passage causes some tension for people uh, for some reason. I think it's because maybe wives don't like the idea or the word submission, but wives do like the security of a husband who will lead in a way that's worth following. I think husbands don't like the humility that's required to die to himself. But husbands do like to take care of and provide for and sacrifice for love. But the point in this whole thing is not semantics. The point is that marriage was always meant to be an expression of the love of Christ expressed through sacrifice. It's an act of dying to yourself constantly, both parties, both husband and wife. And it won't work if both aren't willing to lay down their arms and surrender in some areas. And Jesus is the one that set the model for us in this. And every generation, I think, does things a little bit differently than before. And, and I just want to kind of bring one thing to the surface that I think is an example of how there needs to be some dying to self. Um, one of the big cultural shifts that's happened um, in our generation is that 70% of families are dual income families, as opposed to, or compared, I guess, to the previous generation where it was 47%. That's a huge shift. And then on average, moms work 25 hours a week compared to nine hours a week in the previous generation. And so basically what this means is that some of like the traditional roles that we like to think of where a husband come home, comes home from work and everything's done or whatever, uh, they probably need to look differently, right? Um, some of that stuff needs a shift. And guys, I'm probably talking to us uh, because it's our paradigm uh, that probably needs to shift uh, the most here. Yeah, I, it's frustrating for me, I'm not going to lie, because I work part-time, but on days when Justin comes home, that I've spent my day cleaning the house, I'm thinking, he walks in, and I'm like, do you think a fairy from a magical land came in, did all the housework, washed your clothes, and then flew back into fairyland? Because sometimes it just kind of goes unrecognized, I feel like, for the work, or it's just expected because I'm at home, so that work should require to be done by me. Yeah, and truth is, most days, this probably is how it is. Um, she's worked most of the day as well. And, and I think it's really helpful for us, especially as husbands, to kind of process. Um, if your wives are feeling like a level of burden of being unseen or exhaustion, I would challenge you to be on the lookout for ways to serve her. Like, is there, is there something you can pick up that, that would just take a load off of her? And I'm saying this as somebody that, like many of us, like to sit down and watch Sports Center and check out, right? But we have to die to ourselves on behalf of our brides the same way Christ modeled for us. And another way to model it, we're just going to step into parenting just for a quick minute. But we wanted to talk about how, for us, we believe our children need us equally, Justin and myself. And I understand for single parents that they don't have that luxury. I have a lot of friends who are single moms that just work their tail off. Um, to get things done and to provide for their children and they have great kids that we love to be around so if that luxury isn't available to you like it is some I can personally only imagine how hard that is and just as a word of encouragement we think you're doing great and just a total rock star I just can't imagine um, but when you do have that luxury you need to take advantage of it Children don't just need the love of a mother or the firm hand of a father. We believe they need their parents in an equal manner. Yeah, and dads, we can't be passive dads, right? Our wives and kids desperately need us to be engaged. And 
not simply like she said as a disciplinarian. I think I try to, I fall into that trap sometimes where like I'm the disciplined guy, but in real present ways, we need to be present and attentive to our kids and our wives can't be working out of the home and then come home and take care of the house and then be the primary parent as well. We have to step up as husbands and fathers and be present. And I want to commend many of you. There are many of you guys in here that I watch your lives and how you care for your families and your children. And, and it's a real encouragement and challenge to me. So I want to commend many of you that, that do that so well. Yeah, and for moms, I think the biggest struggle for me is allowing the dads to parent. If I'm at home with the kids all day, when, the, when Justin gets home, I just kind of expect him to fall in line with the kids. Um, whereas letting him parent with his own style. Now, not a contradictory or a confusing way to parent, um, but just like giving him the space he needs to parent how he chooses to, because it will look different than how I do it. Yeah. So another impact of this cultural shift beyond the home front and parenting has to do with sex. And it's the elephant in the corner of every room when we have a marriage series, right? Which would be weird if there was an elephant in the corner. But... Um, yeah. It's so weird. <laughs> I didn't know if it He was hit, like, my jokes on paper will definitely translate. I was like, <laughs> we were practicing. I'm I was like, like okay. I'm like typing. I'm like, oh, this He's is like, so funny. I'm like, this is not funny. <laughs> it's not funny. But it would be weird. Okay, sorry. sorry. Your turn. Okay. So, I, Justin and I were trying to think of like, through our message, we're like, you know how all pastors, social media, how they do it, there's always a picture of the pastor Sunday afternoon with like the really inspirational quote. Well, I was like, Justin, we're not going to be meme worthy. Like we don't have one, you know, where they're like this. And then it says like, go before, I don't know, whatever thing they said. I, I was reading this yesterday and I was like, Justin, this is our meme. So I need to just take a picture of me doing this. And then here's what the meme's going to say for Justin and I's marriage thing. Just because Justin cleans the kitchen does not mean we will have sex. <laughs> he lives here too. <laughs> yeah. And so I feel like there should be and a towel women, sheet somewhere. No, you're you know, not allowed like to interrupt here. Ten <laughs> no. equals one. Or so. <laughs> uh. so if you're having this firework intimacy happening in your marriage, like, congratulations. Seriously, I commend you. I think it's awesome. Um, if sometimes you feel like sex is a chore, you may be more like me. Um, I just think of the demands of the days with work, life, bills, dinner, kids, sports, remembering to take a shower, be the best wife, sister, friend, coworker, and mom. It is impossible, but I still put that pressure on myself. And then I wonder why at the end of the day, I'm emotionally exhausted, I'm physically exhausted, and I'm mentally exhausted. Plus, our generation, our faces are so absorbed in our phones that sometimes our actual face-to-face -face communication is really slim. And we are simply distracted. And I don't believe sex was designed for overly distracted people. Sex has to have intentionality behind it. It's care and love and stepping away from what seems socially normal to put the time and energy and work of loving each other well so we don't feel emotionally isolated and naturally pull back. And I'll just say, and guys, you can probably relate, sex is not a chore for me. But <laughs> honestly, I struggle to empathize with some of the emotional atmosphere that goes with it all. Um, and it's consistently pretty frustrating part of marriage because I'm not too proud to say it. It's not a huge time commitment. But <laughs> what, what Jana, did anybody get it? No. I, when I was typing that one, I thought it was hilarious too. So. And when he said it to me, I was just like, mm. 
Some people are going to go, you can't say that. Some, you know, sorry. I didn't Anyways. see the joke in it, but go ahead. <laughs> uh, this is where it all falls apart. <laughs> no. Anyways, what Jana, she just expressed, so I think it's really helpful. And it's not rocket science, right? The primary issue is intimacy, not sex. And one way that I'm trying to shift my way of thinking is just to simply pursue Jana. So uh, don't ask her how I'm doing about it, but that's what I'm trying to do. And a simple little exercise, I actually, so I go and I see a counselor. It's true. It's real. We, we all should at some point. But something that he said to me um, about parenting and marriage, he said, like, just throughout your day, think of two things. First of all, or it's kind of a two-part exercise. Keep the person on your mind. So that's the first thing. Like, just be mindful of the other. And so what, it, what might she be going through today? What's, the, what's her day looking like in this moment? You know, at whatever 11.06 a.m. it is. What's her day look like? So be mindful of her. How can you pray for her? That type of thing. And then second is be fully present when you're together. So like she said, I think we just are so distracted that it's hard to just be present. So be mindful and be present. And that's something that I'm really trying to, to grow in and pursuing that intimacy first. So how are we considering and sacrificing for the other when it comes to things like roles in the home, parenting, sex? And we didn't even get into money and careers and personal interests and friendships and spiritual growth and all the other things that come with marriage, right? But in all of them, mutual submission is the model that Jesus set for marriages to follow. And it's essential for a vibrant marriage. So Jesus wants to be in the beauty and the mess of your marriage. So bring it all out. Speak your expectations and hurts and then communicate. Even fight when you have to. And work hard to consider the desires of each other and selflessly adjust to them. Yeah. So we are going to wrap up, but we wanted to invite you guys to a few challenges that Justin and I are going to attempt over the Lent season. And you are more than welcome to ask us how we are doing. Um, but the first one is actually for the older or, let's say, more experienced married couples. Um, I'm calling us young. Just deal with it. Us younger married couples, I th we desire mentorship from older couples that have vibrant marriages right now. Um, I think the disconnect has been there can tend to be a sense of judgment versus a listening posture. Because like when grandma posts about how damaging it is to your kids to be staring at an iPad for three hours, blog that I'm supposed to read, I get it, but the fact is this is the generation that we live in. We're in the trenches of this right now. Um, so we just would kind of challenge maybe some of you married couples who've been married a little longer just to pray about what it would look like to mentor a younger married couple um, with a posture of listening and understanding. Yeah, and then we've got kind of three specific challenges uh, for us as husbands and wives to, to end with. So first, we want to invite you into something that sounds really simple, but we're doing it as well. Over the Lent, uh, the Lent run, so up leading up to Easter, we Wait, are... starting today or Lent? Starting today oh. at 6 p.m., honey. Okay. So we invite you to plug your phones in from 6 to 9 p.m., three hours every day. I know it sounds, doesn't sound like much, but we're going to do it, and we wanna, want you to ask us how we're doing, and then we want to invite you into that simple little challenge. So I've got an alarm set on my phone. It goes off. I plug it in, you know, and, and so why? Why? It's because we're distracted. We're not present to each other. And so I found myself going, well, what do you do then? You know, and, and I think be together. 
like full attention to each other, to your kids, have a slow dinner together, play a game, whatever. 6 to 9 p.m., just be together, be attentive to each other. And the third one is we want to encourage you to have the hard conversations this week. And from my position from with Justin, how many ever years ago that was, I was on the receiving end of him telling me stuff. Um, so I would say if, you have, if you're going to be in the position of listening to pray before the conversation and just pray during the conversation and come with a posture of listening as well. Yeah, and then if you're the one that's kind of bringing up the difficult conversation, I think I would just, I can't encourage you enough to just do it. Like, have the conversation. I've seen a few times in marriages that have crumbled that I think a lot of times one party just wasn't willing to go there. And so I just want to say, like, go there. Be willing to do it. Be bold. If you have to throw an eye of the tiger or something, do it. Like, go have the conversation. It's worth it. And then finally, the last challenge is I want to encourage you to find community. So find another couple and then talk about married life. That's been one of the, I feel like, saving things for us is we we just have couples that we can talk to that are that are honest about the reality of what it is to be married or to be married. And so I want to encourage you to find another couple, be the initiator, invite them to dinner or something like that, and just open up, share life with, with somebody else in that way. Sound good? All right. We're going to pray and we're going to wrap up. Lord, thanks for this morning and just for the chance to, yeah, I guess just share what you've been doing in our lives. And um, Lord, we just pray this morning that um, the result of this would, would be, first of all, that people would pursue you more. Lord, you're the one that changes hearts and changes lives. And um, Lord, you can do it. And so I pray this morning, that would be the first thing, that people would pursue you more. And the second, Lord, I just pray that, that we would learn how to pursue one another, um, to be attentive, to be fully present with each other. And uh, Lord, then, then also that, that we'd be open with our lives. Um, and, and Lord, that, that this would be a place where just isolation is not a thing. And uh, so we just ask that you would do that work. And we know that that is a work that you want to do, that you desire to do. And Holy Spirit, it's something that only you can do. And so we ask you to come and do that. And so, Lord, we just are so grateful uh, for the model that you've set of sacrifice for us. And uh, we just commit to following that way. In Jesus' name, amen.